Good to be back here at Northside Baptist Church. I'm glad to see everyone that's here. Enjoyed all the good singing, the special singing. It's always a joy to be in God's house and be with like-minded folks. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing when you go to church and you got like-minded folks. Amen. We was talking to a guy the other day. They, were, they had been looking for a church and looking and looking and looking and talked about all the crazy things they had got into as they were looking. <laughs> And said, they said, they just ain't any more good churches. <laughs> There's still a few good churches, and I believe Northside's one of those. And uh, I like I like y'all. I like the way you, you worship. I like the way you think, and uh, I like it. Well, I uh, do have a message this morning, and if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 19. And then we're going to go look at Proverbs eight thirteen after that. But Proverbs chapter 6, start with verse 16. If you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Proverbs chapter 6, start with verse 16. And here the Bible says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now look across the page there at Proverbs 8.13. Proverbs 8.13. The Bible says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the reading of your word this morning. Thank you for this service thus far. Thank you for each one of these folks that's come out today to worship you. Lord, I pray you bless them. Lord, I pray that you help us as we try to preach. God, you'll preach through us and for us. And may you go and do a mighty work in our hearts this morning. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, here in our opening text, in both of these passages that we read, both in Proverbs 6 and Proverbs 8, we see a running theme. If you notice there, the very first thing that's mentioned in that list of things that God hates is a proud look. A proud look. And there in chapter 8, the very first things he mentions there are pride and arrogancy. Pride and arrogancy. So there's a theme here. It's called P-R-I-D-E. Pride. Pride. Well, uh, Webster's defines pride as this. Pride is a high and or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether it's cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct. Well, that's fine. That's a pretty good definition of it. But what does the Bible say about this word pride? And I've titled the message this morning, The Deadly Sin of Pride. The Bible says this in Proverbs 21 and 4. The Bible says a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. It's sin. The Bible calls pride a sin. Now, before we go any further, let me say this. There is a pride that is not sinful. For example, I am so proud of my children. That's not being prideful or self-centered or conceited when you're saying you're proud of your children, you're proud of your grandchildren, I'm proud of this and that. I mean, those things are fine when they're centered upon something besides yourself. Now, if you stand there and say, I'm so proud of me, what I've done, what I've accomplished, 
that's when it becomes a sin. Uh, there's also pride in workmanship, skills and things that you do and accomplish like building something. I was reading just this week actually about this church and uh, back when it was first built, uh, I don't remember the exact year, but uh, it was a smaller church at that time and it was built in one day. And then along about 1952, I believe it was, uh, they, they raised that church and poured the foundation and footers and everyone come out on 630, I believe it was July the 4th, all church members came out to build this church and they attempted to do it in one day. Uh, they didn't quite get it accomplished. They had to come back the next day and finish the roof. The roof didn't get done on that first day. But that was so amazing. And there's nothing wrong with saying I'm so proud of what we accomplished here. What we've done as a church body, come together to build God's house and look at this place. I mean, it's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with saying I am proud of my church. And where I, you know, where I go to attend worship, there's nothing wrong with that. But here is where it changes when you say, well, our church is much, much better than Elm Street. <laughs> you know, our church is so much better than, than this church or whatever like that. That's when it starts turning upon you and your self-centeredness and what you think. And so there is a, a sinful pride and there's a pride that is not sinful. It all depends upon where it is centered. Now, uh, for example, uh, God, the Father, when Jesus was baptized... Uh, they heard a voice from heaven. The Lord said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. Now, was that prideful? No. He was saying, I am extremely proud of my son. I'm well pleased in him. And that's what we're saying when we say we're proud of our children or proud of our grandchildren. We're, well, we're pleased with them. We love them. It's, it's an expression of love, actually, is what it is. I don't know who decided to use the word pride for the things that we love, but somewhere down the line they did that. Uh, but it, it's, it's not uh, sinful. There's, like I said, the pride and accomplishments of a job well done. The Lord, when he created this world and he looked out, and in Genesis 1 and 31, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. So not all pride is sinful. But make no mistake about it, pride can be evil, it can be wicked, ugly, terrible, wicked sin. If you study throughout history and you look at the world-dominating empires, you'll find that every single world domination ended because of the pride of that nation. Uh, if you look at Egypt, Egypt uh, perished because of their pride or did not become a world-conquering nation any longer. Uh, the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks, and certainly the Romans, all those world domination empires uh, fell because of their pride. Uh, Julius Caesar himself, he is known for saying, if I fail, it is only because I have too much pride and ambition. It wasn't much longer when 40 senators murdered him, stabbed him to death. And so pride is, is uh, not good. <laughs> uh, here in the United States of America, we find that pride runs rampant. I mean, it's one thing to say, I'm proud to be an American. We sing that song, Lee Greenwood, you know, I'm proud to be an American. I've got nothing wrong with that. But most countries, when they look at our country, they look at the Western nation of the United States and how our attitudes are, we're much better than you. We're better than that place. We're better than that country. And, you know, we've got the greatest military. We've got all the power and the money and all this stuff. 
that's when all these other nations look on us and they see our prideful, wicked lifestyles and they hate us. They hate us. You do realize the United States is a very young country, right? 247 years old, I believe, this year is, is all we are. You look at something, some uh, country like China. They've got 4,000 years of recorded history. 4,000 years. Here we are, 247 years old, and we think that we are the end-all, be-all of everything. And I am proud to be an American. I'm proud to be from East Tennessee. I'm proud to be a hillbilly that runs around without any shoes on in the summertime. You know, that, that's one thing. But to, to raise yourself on a level to where you want to be exalted and looked up at and known to be better than everything else, well, the Bible says that pride is a sin that binds. It binds. Psalm 73 and 6 says, Therefore pride compasses them about as a chain, Violence covereth them as a garment. The idea here the Bible's portraying is of someone who puts on a necklace or a collar of air uh, superiority like the, the royals would wear. They would put those on, and, and actually what it's a picture of a man so prideful that it covers him like a garment. Uh, he'd walk around, it binds him in his sin. There are some people that enter a room and they expect everyone there to recognize them for who they are and what they've done and, and bow down to them. Now, I've been around people like that. They walk in, you know, with that look on their face and, you know, expect everyone to just at their every command. Uh, prideful. But pride will bind us. It makes things, it makes us do things we normally wouldn't do if we didn't have that pride in our heart. Perhaps you're familiar with that old uh, folktale about the emperor's new clothes. Everyone know about that one? I remember hearing that as a kid. I would always laugh about it. But there was this emperor, and he was known for buying ex exquisite, fancy clothing. And, and uh, these two swindlers knew about that. So they came to his, his, uh, his town there, and they told him that they had this garment that they could make him, that anybody that was stupid or dumb or didn't appreciate him, couldn't see it. Uh, only those that were smart could see the, the clothing that they'd make him. We said, well, that sounds wonderful. No one else has anything like this. And so he, you know, uh, sent them to go and make his garment. He'd go in and check on them, and they'd be, you know, spinning on the, on the, uh, the wheel thing, and, and he didn't see anything on it. But he didn't want to look stupid, so he'd just say, keep up the good job, man, you know. And so... Finally, they came to him and they said, sir, we have your new garment ready for you. And so they dress him <laughs> with this, this new garment. And he goes out onto the town with a big pomp and circumstance for everyone to see his new clothes. And he's walking down through there and everyone's embarrassed. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to look stupid because they've heard that anybody that, that uh, can, can't see it means they're stupid. <laughs> and so... He's walking down there thinking how wonderful this is. And some little boy looks up and says, hey, the king's naked. And then he realizes, hey, he's been took. And so we can find ourselves being bound with this pride. Everyone knew then at that time the emperor had been tricked, even though he's marching around the city looking all proud. And so the emperor's pride was worn around his neck like a chain, and he became a prideful fool. The Bible, Bible tells us that pride is an abomination to God. 
Proverbs 16 and 5 says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. And so pride is uh, sinful in God's eyes. It's an abomination. And the Bible tells us that we will be punished for our pride. Psalm 119 and 21 says, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. And so no wonder in our opening text where the Bible says that God hates these things, the very first thing he mentions is pride. You do realize the very first sin in the garden was all stemmed from pride. Eve, she wanted to be like God. She wanted to be exalted and lifted up and know the things that God knew. And Satan told her, of course, you know, that's what will happen. You'll, your mind will be open and then you'll be just like him and you'll understand. And she says, oh, I want that. So pride actually was the catalyst behind the very first sin that was ever committed by mankind. And the Bible says it's an abomination. We're prideful. But where does it come from? Where does pride originate from? Well, pride comes from one thing is false wisdom. False wisdom. Romans chapter 1 gives us an example of this. In Romans 1, 21 and 22, the Bible says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Listen to this, verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. If you read that entire passage, you see all those terrible, horrible things that, that, that happens with those people because of their foolish pride and how they've allowed themselves to be overcome by it. And so pride comes from false wisdom. People think we're so smart. We can send a man to the moon. We can cook a, a four-course meal in a microwave within just a few minutes. We can, you know, do all these, these things that we have the ability to do, and we think we are smart. We think we're wise. But in our wisdom, we become fools. We see it every day. You hear the people talking on the, on the TV and on the talk shows and things. They think they're so smart. And they go on and on and on about the most ridiculous things you've ever heard in your entire life. They have told themselves they're wise, but in their wisdom, so-called wisdom, they become fools. And notice God never said they were wise. He said they profess themselves to be wise. And I'm afraid that's what a lot of people are doing today, that they're professing themselves to be wise. And you see on the arrogant news during the evening uh, I remember back when they were doing all that rioting and all those people burning buildings and, and uh, stealing things and all that. And the news media is out there saying, this, these peaceful protests that's going on here, you know, and the whole world's being burned down behind them. Uh, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And we can roll back the tape and see all the foolish things that occurred during all that mess. Pride comes from false wisdom. False thinking that we are something that we really are not. Pride comes from another thing, conceit. Proverbs 26 and 12 says, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. So conceit is having a very high and favorable opinion of your own self and uh, an unduly high opinion of your abilities and self-worth. And so it's something that you have actually uh, concocted within your own mind, 
And uh, you've made yourself think that you're so smart, but you're actually conceited. And I'm, not, I'm sure you know these kind of people. Uh, always conceited. There's a term for it uh, today. A lot of people say, well, he thinks he's God's gift to blank, whatever. God's gift of, you know, this or that. In other words, somebody that thinks the sun rises and sets within them. Uh, they can do everything better, faster, smarter, you know, all these. I used to have a, a friend back in school, and you could not talk to the guy. You couldn't say anything that you've done. Like, I couldn't go to him and say, well, I went fishing the other day, and I caught, you know, two fish or something like that. You tell him something like that, oh, he's got one bigger and better. Oh, that's nothing. You know, he'd say, that's nothing. I went the other day, and I caught 25 fish, and one of them was three feet long. And just Every time, it didn't matter what it was. You know, I went to the store and, and got a Mountain Dew. Oh, that's nothing. I went to the store and got a whole 12-pack of Mountain Dew. You know? uh, but you see these people that uh, they have to be first. They have to think that... They are better than everyone else, especially you. And we have to watch out for that conceit because it will creep up on you before you know it. Um, but the Bible says there's more hope for a fool than a conceited man. Uh, pride comes from, the Bible says, within. In Mark seven twenty-one through 23, the Bible says, for from within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. That whole list of sins is listed right there. They come from within our heart. And they can be eliminated by one thing. And that one thing is replacing all of that with God. Replace it with, with God. If you put God in your heart, there's not room for all that other junk. You know, they have that saying, garbage in, garbage out. How about God in, God out? Replace all the junk and the garbage with the Lord. And so we see some of these ways it starts, but... Where does it begin? A lot of people, their pride begins when they become wealthy. They get a little bit of money. You know, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. But a lot of people, when, when money's involved, then pride comes into play. Uh, we see that in the life of King Hezekiah. Uh, over in Isaiah chapter 39, verses 1 through 6, we see this uh, occurrence. And we know Hezekiah was a very wealthy king, had all the, the gold and all the, the things. And the Bible says in Isaiah 39 and 1, And at that time, uh, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices, the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in the treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all uh, his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, There come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, well, Who have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There's nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. 
Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. Hezekiah's sin was foolish pride is what it was. He wanted all these foreigners from Babylon to come in and see everything that he had accomplished, everything he had stored up, all the riches and all the gold. He wanted them to see that. And because of that, we know what happens. Just like Isaiah the prophet told him, you know what, one day's coming. All those things that you showed these men, it's going to be carried out of here, and it's going over to Babylon. How foolish. The Lord punished him and all of Israel because of this pride. Uh, sometimes when a man suddenly gets wealthy, he starts thinking he's self-sufficient. Doesn't need the Lord. I've known people that's been down to the, to the bare nothing. They got nothing. They come around, they'll come to church, they'll pray, they'll cry, they'll call me, they'll say, Brother Byron, pray for me, I need this and I need that and all this. And then suddenly they run into some money and they no longer need the Lord. They no longer need the church, they no longer need the pastor, they just are self-sufficient now. They've got a little money in their pocket and they think everything's all right. Friends, that's pride that creeps in like that. Uh, you know, you see these stars and these celebrities uh, Football uh, heroes, uh, all these, the, the wealth that they, they uh, you know, put on everything, all the houses and cars and things. Um, you may, does anybody know who Stanley uh, Burrell is? Well, Stanley Burrell, he was a rap artist back in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, he had a number one hit song on the Billboard charts and sold over 18 million copies. Very, very wealthy man after that. Uh, one of the most successful rappers in history, if you're into that stuff. Uh, but during the 90s, he was throwing uh, cash around like it was nothing, just like paper. At one point, he had a net worth of $33 million. He made the statement one time, it's only money. If we don't spend it, we'll drown in it. And so he was throwing out cash left and right, buying everything in his, in his, he could. Sadly, Stanley ended up drowning in debt. And only in 1996, just, just a little bit after he had attained all this wealth, he filed for bankruptcy, owing over $13 million in debt. He lost his $12 million mansion, 17 luxury cars, a stable full of thoroughbred horses, a $2 million marble swimming pool. All of his famous friends left him, and he was left with virtually nothing. In an interview with Ebony Magazine, Stanley said, My priorities were out of order. My priorities should have always been God, family, community, and then business. Instead, they had been business, business, business. Well, it's too bad he had to take such a fall because uh, you may remember Stanley as MC Hammer. Can't touch this. That is what happened to him, Stanley Burrell. Uh, I, I read later on that he'd, he'd, uh, he'd come to the Lord and he'd been uh, praying and, and uh, doing things as right and he's trying to make a comeback and all that. I don't know where he's at now, but uh, pride will cause you to fall. Um, the Bible says that pride begins with your self-esteem. We find example of a man named Haman over in Esther 5 and 11. The Bible says, And Haman told them all the glory of his riches, and the multitude of his children, all the things wherein the king had promoted him, and how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. I know people like that. They'll get a job promotion, and boy, they are something now. They don't want anything to do with the underlings. 
Those people that he came up with, oh, we, I can't speak to them. Can't sit with them in the cafeteria. Can't have anything to do. But now I've got new friends for my exalted position. But pride will, uh, happens with that self-esteem. You're familiar with this man, Haman, from the Bible. Remember, uh, he was a ruthless Amalite king who had thought he was above everyone else. Uh, every man and woman was forced to bow down to him, except for one man would not, the Jew, Mordecai. We remember this story. Uh, Mordecai refused to, and this made him so angry, he decided to destroy every living Jew on the planet. And, uh, of course, we know the rest of the story because of his arrogance, his self-inflated self-esteem, and his, his plan backfired on him, and he ended up hanging from the same hangman's noose that he had prepared for Mordecai. <laughs> I'm telling you, friends, uh, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, and pride will cause you to fall. We live in a self-love generation. It's very ugly. Everything that you see, these young people today, they're being brought up to exalt yourself and, and you know, you. It's all about you. It's the me generation. Me, myself, and I. And so they get on their YouTube and TikToks and all these other things and try to become a TikTok star. You know, they're a social media influencer now. That's what their big desire is because it's all about them. It's all about them. Well, we live in this self-esteem me generation, and uh, I believe we're in for an ugly wake-up call. Believe it or not, it ain't all about you. It ain't about me. We need to get our minds off ourselves and focus on what's important, and that is the Lord Jesus. Sharing the gospel, living the life of a Christian, that is what's important in this world, not your, your TikTok video or your trending YouTube channel or whatever it is. Your pride, it begins with, again, an exalted position, as we spoke about. We can find another example in 2 Kings 5, 9 through 12. Uh, Naaman, he'd, he'd had leprosy. You remember the story? 2 Kings 5 and 9. So Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away. He went, he turned and went away in rage. We have a man that's so prideful, he's dying of leprosy. He goes to the man, the man of God, to be healed. The man of God don't even go to the door and greet him. He sends a servant out there and says, you go tell him to go wash in the Jordan seven times. And the man gets irate. Here he is, the one that is needing to be helped, and he's so prideful that he wants to stand up and say, he should have come to me. He should have come out and healed me. We should go to where I live, in the better waters, instead of this podunk town. That was his attitude. Why? Because his pride, his self-esteem, his exalted position, and he expected everyone to bow down to him. Fortunately for him, there was one there that, that had some sense about him and went and talked to him and convinced him to go, and sure enough, he did, and he, he was healed. His skin became like a baby skin. And so we see that this uh, uh, pride, beginning with an exalted position, um, 
I don't know how you feel about Southern gospel groups. I listen to a lot of music. I like the Kingsman Quartet and such and all that. If you're a pastor of a church, um, you get a lot of emails and, and things from gospel groups. They want to come and sing at the church. It's big money. And a while back, there was this real popular Southern gospel group. They called me up and they said, hey, Brother Byron, we'd like to come to your church and sing. And I thought, well, great. I'd love to have you. Yeah, we're going to be in your area, and we're going to give you a half-price rate. Okay, well, how much is that going to be? Oh, half-price rate's $10,000. I said, I don't think we'll be needing you. Click. The group went out of business shortly after that. But we can see how this pride, these, this group, they had, uh, I think they had, they had the, of course, the four uh, people that sung, they had a pianist, I believe a bass player, and maybe a lead. They had, you know, maybe seven or eight people all together. They drove a bus. Sure, the bus needs gas. Our diesel's expensive. These suits are not cheap. <laughs> and so ten, they want to charge my little church $10,000 to come and sing for the Lord. Uh, I tell you, friends, this pride will take you down and take you down hard. So how does it actually affect us as an individual? Well... Pride will make you be deceived. It will deceive you. Over in Galatians 6 and 3, the Bible says, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Now, there is one thing to deceive others, but when you deceive yourself, you're in bad trouble. You're in bad trouble. I'm fully convinced one of the worst things a man can do is deceive himself. How many men or women... Uh, have convinced themselves they're a certain way, uh, but everyone else can see how they really are. But yet they themselves have fooled themselves into thinking they're something that they're not. It's a sad, sad situation. It will bring shame. Proverbs 11 and 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. How many men have thought themselves to be something they aren't, and, and then they discover how foolish they were and, and how ashamed they become. Some people have committed suicide over realizing how foolish they had been. Uh, I used to work for Panasonic. It was a Japanese company. We made automotive speakers. I was in quality control, but uh, the Japanese have a different mindset than we do in America when it comes to certain things. Their pride will not allow them to be looked at as being stupid or foolish. And so when that happens, it devastates them. They don't know what to do. And so you will see in the news sometimes, like a while back, the president of Hyundai Motor Company, uh, when he had been found out some things that he had done, he felt so foolish that he jumped out of a, of a, of a building and killed himself, suicide. Uh, that happens in the Japanese culture a lot. They, they do not like to look foolish. But foolishness will bring you shame, the Bible says. Pride and will bring you shame. You deceive yourself, it will make you, it will bring a man low, the Bible says. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three: a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So what's, why is it so dangerous? Why is pride so dangerous besides all the reasons we just mentioned? Well, it brings material loss. It brings punishment. It brings destruction. It brings condemnation. And we see that throughout the Word of God. God gives us examples of all of this type of behavior that happens because of pride. Um, 
You may remember Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4 and 30. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I've built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. And some people say, well, that's just a fairy tale. That didn't really happen. Oh, it did, friends. It happened. The Bible is absolutely 100% true. There is not a, a, a accident or a lie or nothing in there. Uh, like that. the Bible is absolutely true. The Bible says that he is a God that cannot lie. And God's word is truthful. This man, Nebuchadnezzar, was so proud and boastful. He looked out upon Babylon. He said, look what I have done. Me. Look what I've done. He took all the glory for all the things that God had actually put into place. And the Lord called him on it. He says, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you have messed up now, friend. Pride will lead you that way. Well, you know what happened to his son, uh, Belshazzar. But when in Daniel 5.20, Belshazzar, when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was the one that saw the writing on the wall. Remember that? Many, many tickle up, up horizon. And uh, Daniel come out and interpreted the writing on the wall. And he said, you're out of here. <laughs> All because of his pride. And even reminded him, you remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar because of his pride. Same thing with you. So pride will lead us to destruction and condemnation. And the Bible says, of the devil. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then in 1 Timothy 3 and 6, in the instructions on how to how a bishop should be, the Bible says, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. The condemnation of the devil. Our pride leads us to a fall. Uh, not only that, but also condemnation of the devil. We all know that Lucifer became the devil when his pride was lifted up and he was cast down. He thought himself above God and was cast out of heaven. Uh, Paul is saying there in 1 Timothy, don't fall into the same trap as the devil and being overtaken by your pride because it will happen before you know it. You may be sitting there, okay, Brother Byron, we get it. We understand pride's bad, you know, wisdom good, that's enough. Well, we need to know what we to do about it. What can we do about pride? How can we cure it? Well, the Bible tells us to, the way to cure pride, to take care of it, is to have sober thinking, sober thinking. Romans 12 and 3, the Bible says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Look, many times it takes a conscious decision on our part to say, I am going to put my pride in check. I'm going to 
pay attention and find whenever I start being prideful and proud and conceited that I'm going to put a check in that and say, whoa, wait a minute, I've got to do something. I've got to think soberly. That's the opposite of drunkenness. And so later on down the road in the brew house down here, you'll see a bunch of drunks running around. They're not thinking soberly. The Bible says for us to think soberly when we think that we're more high than what we really are. And so pride can be cured by humility, humbleness, or as you old folks say, humbleness. Don't pronounce the H, do you? My mom, James 4 and 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Philippians 2, 3 through 5, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. So, Men are not naturally humble. Some have to be humbled. Some, uh, you have to go through a humbling process. And listen, if you have to go around telling everybody, I'm very humble, by the way, you're not very humble, okay? You know, I've seen people actually do that. Well, you know, I'm just a humble guy. Really? <laughs> I had no idea. Thank you for telling me about that. And so pride can be cured by several things, but most of all, it can be cured by the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Psalm 111 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. You show me a prideful man, I'll show you someone who's not close to God. Show me somebody build up and their self-esteem puffed up, boastful and proud, they're not close to the Lord. You can't be close to God and be that way. It's the fear of the Lord. And I'm not feared, I'm not in fear that God's going to come down and strike me dead because I've sinned or done something wrong. No, you're in fear of God because you realize He is the creator. He's the sustainer of life. He holds your life in the palm of His hand. If he knows every hair on your head, how many's on there, then let me tell you, friends, <laughs> he controls everything. God, the God that we serve, is a sovereign God. All goes through him. He's the one in charge. It's not us. Do you notice in all those scriptures we read, there was a common theme there about how we can have humility. It's through grace. So God is actually the one that gives us a humble spirit. He does it because what the Bible says, fear the Lord. He gives grace to the humble and through grace that he gives unto me not to think more highly than ought to think. And so we need to make a conscious decision. We're going to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. So what happens once we cure it? We'll be finished. Well, when you cure the sinful pride in your life, there's some things that happen the fruit of the Spirit will be manifest within you. We get the fruit of the Spirit when we're saved, but you'll suddenly understand and realize, hey, I am seeing now the fruit of the Spirit. And the Bible says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temper, temperance uh, against such there is no law. And so look, if we can get ourselves out of the way, 
get our focus off of our own conceited selfish needs and concerns and desires and and wishes and hopes and all that and place them where they belong on the Lord on the Lord's work on other people helping others sharing the gospel if your focus will come off you and go on someone else you'll take care of that pride issue it's not about you it's about him it's about others so as long as we're filled up with us we can't be filled up with him he wants us to make room for him by getting rid of us what john the baptist say i must decrease he must increase that's how you take care of pride and when you have the fruit of the spirit your pride's taken care of the love of the brethren will come ephesians 4 1 through 3 i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Look, you may find yourself lonely a lot. Maybe you don't have many people coming around. You might want to check on your pride and see if perhaps it may be your pride is driving people away. Drop your pride, focus your attention on others. And suddenly you will find yourself surrounded by others, friends. And the instruction of others will come. So pride all boils down to us being in the devil's snare, actually. Uh, the devil cannot take your salvation. Uh, demons can't move into the life or the heart of a Christian because God resides in there. The Holy Spirit lives in there. A demon and the Holy Spirit don't don't live in the same body, okay? Nowhere in the Bible do you see where a saved person is has a demon in them. It's always a lost person, and God draws them out. So anybody that says, oh, Christians can get demon-filled, they can get demons down in them. Oh, they can't. Not if they're truly saved. So pride is part of the devil's snare, and he's had thousands and thousands of years to craft it and to... Uh, Cause us to fall in. He's very cunning. Like I said, he can't take your salvation, but he can sure lay traps for you. Listen to this statement by the Lord Jesus, John 5 and 44. He said, how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Friends, that ought to be a wake-up call. So many are so willing to listen to this person and that person and somebody popular and all this stuff. And God said, you mean to tell me you'll listen to everyone out here, but you don't consider what I think? That's what he's saying. And seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Are you wanting to be honored by men? Is that why you're pride and proud and boastful? Are you more concerned about other men? It's tragic. And listen, if you're not saved today, I want you to know that pride may be the very thing standing between you and salvation. I've known many people that are too proud to walk an aisle and come to the altar and have someone pray with them, lead them to Christ. You don't have to come down to the altar to be saved. You can be saved in the pew you're sitting in, out in the yard, in your car. It don't matter where it's at when you get saved. You can be saved anywhere. But I have seen so many people that are so proud. I'm not going to walk in front of all those people and go down there and and profess being a sinner and get saved. And there's some people that has never been saved and everybody thinks they're saved and there's no way they're going to go down the altar 
and, and profess that they're unsaved. What will everyone think? Everybody thinks I'm saved. Friends, that's going to lead you straight to hell. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. What matters is what's in your heart. If you've been saved, if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the most important thing. And if pride is standing between you and salvation, you better get rid of it. You better humble yourself and you better come before the throne of God and beg for mercy. God will save you. So believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Believe in Him and thou shalt be saved. Oh, friends, listen. These are the last verses, and I'll be finished. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You know what God does with your confessed sin? He cast them as far as the east of the west, to the depths of the sea. He doesn't remember them anymore. Friends, all you got to do is believe in the Lord Jesus. He'll take care of your pride problem. He'll make sure that you're humble. I'd like to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray together. Brother Scott, come get a song, please. And as, uh, as I pray, if you need help for any reason, if you want to come to the altar, I'll be glad to pray with you if you need prayer. But uh, let's go ahead and pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today thanking you so much for the message. Lord, I don't know the hearts of every person in this building today. I only know my own. And God, you know 